49ers week one OTAs offensive line depth chart quarterback speaking at the podium not just one not two but three what about Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk how do they rank versus the rest of the league at wide receiver all coming up on today's locked on 49ers you are locked on 49ers your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to the everydayers uh, on this live episode, like Spy Nick Danger saying go Niners with the flames, with the flexed biceps. Love it. Uh, appreciate all you guys jumping on with us every day. And if you're brand new to the show, make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Croc and I taking you through the 49ers every single day, even throughout the offseason. There is no offseason Croc in the NFL. And 49ers players on the field this week at OTAs. It, it really feels like kind of the start of something new. 2023 season. The beginnings start now in shorts and T-shirts, Croc. Yeah, it's really cool kind of just get, seeing all the reports and everything that's going on there. We, I've been texting you upset that we're not there. We're not able to be there live right now. We're still working on that so we can give you guys uh, our perspective on everything. But uh, a lot of good things coming out of there. And I know there are a lot of people that think you don't take away anything from OTAs, but I disagree. I've been a part of OTAs. I think that is a, a big part of the growing process with the team. Uh, the highs of OTAs don't necessarily mean someone's going to have a spectacular season, but you're working on things. You're working on building continuity. Uh, you're working on getting some type of rhythm. And then you want to kind of keep that momentum going into training camp, into preseason, into the regular season. So uh, I think right now is the first step to the 49ers, hopefully uh, hoisting that Lombardi at the end of the 2023 season. <laughs> and you do get excited because it's the first time you're seeing the new group on the field together, the new rookies, the new free agent signings. Uh, but you can't take too much away from this. And, you know, I, I talk often about this on the podcast when we get through summer and we get into training camp and sort of the play-by-play -play and, like, stats from training camp. And it means even less in OTAs. And these guys are going through it for the most part at, at sort of walk-through speed and 75% speed and, and, you know, trying to figure things out, installing some base stuff is what's going on at, at OTAs right now, except for Christian McCaffrey, who apparently is going, like, 100 miles an hour, like 100% through everything. And 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 really the only star player that was at practice and on the field and and working out with the 49ers this week. So I, I love that from McCaffrey. And obviously he's a, I mean, he's a lifer, right? He just feels like that guy that he's all about ball all day, every day and setting the tone for the 49ers 2023 season in his first full season with the 49ers. So I love that. I, again, there, there are a lot of people that are going to try to downplay OTAs, but to me, it was always very serious. And maybe because I was a bottom of the roster type of guy, but that is a time where guys are going hard. Like, I don't remember being out there for OTAs and the guy getting beat and then being like, oh, I don't care because it's just OTAs. Like, no. I mean, I saw Antonio Camardi fighting people. Like, it was very serious. So, again, it doesn't mean an, a lot in the sense of you're going to be great because you're, you're starting off well, but... No, this is the time to get better. And I love that about Christian McCaffrey, right? Like OTAs in general, the, you know, you have the different phases. Right now you got the phase where you're on the field, but it's a ramp-up period to get your body prepared for a season. So when you see some guys that aren't there, and some guys you can trust, some guys you, you just kind of can't. And right now you see Christian McCaffrey, he's doing everything to prepare his body for the season. He's not going to have 
asset. He's going to go all out and really prepare for that. When you look at other guys, I'm like, uh, Debo, Samuel, whatever you've been doing so far, it hasn't been great. It hasn't been great. So maybe you should be there with everybody really preparing. I know people like to do their own thing, but the OTAs, is a, it's a legit opportunity to really ramp up like, and get your body prepared for what's coming. And they do it in phases. I think they do a really good job of that. And some guys, they do their own thing. How hard are you going in the sense of the weight room, uh, your conditioning, you know, your agility things? You know, are you putting in that type of work away from the team? And I think some guys you can. Nick Bosa, you don't worry about them. Other guys, you've seen a lot of injuries. And you can ask yourself, why does this guy consistently get injured? Oh, well, he's not doing X, Y, Z. I love it. Craig in the chat says McCaffrey probably gets mad when he doesn't take it to the house during OTAs. Great veteran presence. And Rick says he's showing what the culture is to all the young guys. Look, Christian McCaffrey, kind of. I think that's why Kyle Shanahan likes him so much. You know, they kind of came up both in that Broncos area with with Ed McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's father, obviously, the connection to both the Shanahan's and the McCaffrey's. They're both kind of old school in that way. And McCaffrey learned from his father, who learned from the GOAT, Jerry Rice. Right. Like that's talk about a tone setter. Jerry Rice literally took everything to the house every single practice when he caught a ball. But at the same time, I almost think the 49ers might need to say, OK, Christian, that was pretty cool. Um, why don't you take a break next week during uh, during OTAs? Because like you, know, you might need to play 20 weeks of NFL running back, which is not easy to do. So, so but, but you got to prepare your body for that. That's right? true. So <laughs> like this, this is the part where and again, he's been training. He, you see the workout videos and everything. I think he's someone that really takes care of his body. When you hear the throwback stories about his dad, Ed McCaffrey, and how he trained his boys, I mean, mm-hmm. this is how he, he just prepared them. I mean, just to the meticulous details, I heard Christian McCaffrey say on game day, his dad wouldn't let them let him wear jeans because the jeans are too heavy and you're going to like like make your legs tired uh, <laughs> heading into the game that night. So, I mean, we're talking about uh, just a, a super extreme version of being raised a certain way and preparing that way. I think he's carried that mentality into his football career. Now he's, he's been banged up as well, but I think maybe he's like, you know what? I got away from doing these things. Now I'm back on these things and I want to have a, a great season. It's funny. I always bring up Nolan Ryan. Cause like there's never going to be another Nolan Ryan who throws that many pitches, who has eight, no hitters, who's even allowed to pitch nine innings in a game. Right. But it Nolan Ryan wouldn't have been Nolan Ryan if he didn't throw that much when he was younger. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of the same theory with uh, with Christian McCaffrey. Do you handle running backs in the NFL with kids gloves so they're not ready to carry the load? Or are guys some guys just built different and you got to carry the load from the first day of OTAs through the last day of the season? You just got to prepare your body for it. And some guys can do it away. Some guys can't. I know for me personally, I did work very hard away from the facility, but even being there and just seeing the other guys and kind of, you know, doing the things that are structured for you. The, the strength and conditioning programs are typically top-notch. I know the 49ers uh, fans would probably say, what? No, you know, why Why are so many injuries? And I don't know, but I do know this. These these uh, uh, strength and con- conditioning coaches, they're really good at it, and they bring them along the right way, and guys are getting stronger, and you're, and you're competing in that weight room. At least I was, and, you know, I get to work next to Antonio Camardi for an entire, you know, off season. And, you know, to me, those things really help. So I, I really, if I was away, would I work as hard? I don't, I don't think so. That's why I own my own gym. You know, I got a big gym. Nice is great. And I go to a box gym that's halfway across town every morning 
doing a little workout because I know I won't push myself with that same type of intensity if I work out at my gym alone. Yep. If you want to throw a lot, throw a lot. If you want to be able to run a lot, run a lot. And if you want to be ripped and have a baby face like Eric Crocker with his fresh cut right now, uh, then you then you got to work out a lot. Not only at your own gym, but at other people's gyms as well. Uh, that's fantastic stuff. And speaking of Debo, we're going to get more into the wide receivers. And I've got some interesting data for uh, wide receivers versus man and zone coverage and where Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are on that chart. And PFF just released their uh, the rankings for wide receivers this season. I think it's very interesting where both Debo and Brandon Ayuk rank both very high on PFF's list. I want to talk offensive line as well. There was no Trent Williams. He was one of the stars that wasn't there. How did the uh, depth chart look? Especially that right tackle position, right? And then who was playing for the vacant left tackle spot with no Trent Williams at camp? And I think one of the big stories for me, I mean, the biggest story for everybody that has not stopped since 2021 is the quarterback position for the San and even before that the quarterback position for the San Francisco 49ers. My biggest takeaway with the quarterbacks at OTAs next. Today's episode of locked on 49ers is brought to you by built bar, tons of new flavors. And there's always tons of new flavors of built bars at built.com. Actually right now, I just got my shipment. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see, the beautiful peanut butter bar, which is my favorite. I'm a OG bar guy. Croc is a puff bar guy. And if you like the marshmallowy puffs, they've got the peanut butter puff bar. They've got the birthday cake puff is one of the newest flavors. Red velvet puff. How about very vanilla puff? They've got the new very vanilla and the new peanut butter in both puff and the standard bar coconut brownie chunk puff as well. They've even got some new granola bars you can try at built.com. Uh, protein balls, churro puff, mint brownie, coconut, cookies and cream. I mean, just an unbelievable assortment of flavors and tons of great ones. And if you're not sure what flavor you want, you can always get a mixed box of Built Bars as well. And we're talking high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, low in net carbs. Those are the macros you're looking for in a snack. Those are the macros that Built Bar gives you in a delicious snack. It, I mean, it is better than a candy bar, in my opinion. Healthy can be tasty with Built Bar, and most Built Bars covered in 100% real chocolate, so you really do feel like you're getting a treat. So find all the flavors and varieties at Built.com and your local store shelves as well, including Walmart and Sam's Club, and of course, all the varieties at Built.com. And you will not be disappointed, and you can thank us later. Check it all out at Built.com. Okay, Croc. Did you find it interesting? Did you find it as interesting as I did that the San Francisco 49ers, and I'm willing to bet, I haven't looked at all the press conferences from all the teams and all 32 teams around the league doing OTAs, and some of them are on different days, some of them having them today. Um, I didn't look at all the media availabilities and listen to all of the, uh, the, the press conferences from OTAs. But I am willing to bet that the San Francisco 49ers are the only team that had their backup quarterback speak to the media and for sure the only team that had three quarterbacks speak to the media all three franchise quarterbacks crock spoke at the podium brock purdy trey lance and sam darnold do you think that was uh, clearly it was on purpose what do you think the purpose of that was for, from kyle shanahan and the san francisco 49ers was it to signify that this is wide open was it to signify to the players that they were all in it and they all had a shot to do something here or was it just to appease everybody so there wouldn't be so much conversation about, oh, this guy spoke, but this guy didn't? Well, I think there is going to be more conversation now, but 
I, I'm going to answer a question with a question. And my question to you is, do you, do you think it's wide open? No, I don't think it's wide open. Okay. I mean, I think there is a, there is potential. For, it's wide open in the way that there is potential for any of the three quarterbacks to start week one for the 49ers. But I, what I, if you kind of peel back the layers and you see how everything went and we, we listened to how everyone's spoken and how all everything's worked out throughout the last few years with the San Francisco 49ers, to me, I think the depth chart's clear. And I think we saw it at OTAs on the field as well, is that Brock Purdy, not on the field, he is the leader in the clubhouse. He, if he's healthy today, right now, he'd be taking the first reps. He's the starter. Yeah. Brock Purdy is one. Could change, but right now he's one. But he's not able to play. Trey Lance took all the first team reps. He's two. I mean, it's easy. He should be two. This is, and it's really the least surprising thing that uh, of all of it. Uh, is it? To me, to, to, I mean, to me, it was well, obvious. Trey Lance is the guy that has to be taking the first snaps at OTAs, and he did. And he took all of the first team reps at OTAs. Now, Kyle said that they would even that out a little bit, and Sam might get some. But clearly, to me, this signifies Trey ahead of of Darnold to start things out, and we'll see if if Darnold does get some, but. Trey Lance two, Sam Darnold three. I think it's clear. I think that's the way it should have been coming in. I think it, it would. I'd be more. I'd be more surprised if it wasn't that way than what we've seen so far. But I do like the angle of let's let them all speak. Let let's let everybody think that everyone's got a shot, and they kind of do, but they kind of don't. But you have to have a pecking order, and right now that's the pecking order. It's Brock. It's Trey. Then Sam. I'm big on getting things out the way, so maybe that's the first and last time that you hear from the quarterbacks for the rest of OTAs, right? So it's like, hey. All three of our quarterbacks, they will speak on this day. And maybe they did it like that, just a positional thing where the quarterback is going to speak. And then maybe at one point you'll hear from Christian McCaffrey, but also Elijah Mitchell, Ty Davis Price, and who uh, and Jordan Mason, right? And then next time you hear from Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Ray Ray McLeod, and, and, and nobody would think anything of it. So maybe they're doing something along the lines of that where you kind of they're kind of going through the roster and, or they're trying to. Uh, the best way possible, getting guys that are kind of interesting and have storylines uh, to talk about. And and if they do it that way, then it won't be a big deal. And to be honest with you, and it's a reminder, like Trey Lance is, just, I love the way the guy's built. Hearing him speak, he speaks like a veteran. Dude's played four NFL games and he's twenty, just turned 23 years old. He speaks like a veteran. He's calm, collected, talking about making sure his mentals are right, you know. Uh, and, Did you so take anything away from that? I, I took away from it that it's not easy to be drafted number three overall and have all this expected of you at 20 years old, right? I mean, there, and I've said it a million times here on the podcast, Trey Lance was a unicorn of a prospect. There's never been a player like him drafted that, that needed as much seasoning as he needed and hasn't had the opportunity to get it yet. That has to be difficult for you. And how much is expected of you in this organization to be winning? And uh, he, he was, he was, it's funny because the 49ers were the best landing spot for quarterbacks that year. It might've been one of the worst landing spots for his development. And we'll see if he gets through it and ends up getting there. We saw how difficult and how long it took for Alex Smith, who was another 20 year old, really young prospect that needed some time, but at least he played two seasons of college football in division one a and uh had two full seasons and played the season before he was drafted trey lance can't even say that so uh really I, a unique prospect and uh i wouldn't be surprised at all if, if things were tough on him and i think things are tough on a lot of guys they're just not willing to say it and i think that shows a ton of um 
just life experience. And I think, you know, times are different than you, you were talking earlier about how things were, were like at, at OTAs. You don't hear about fights at OTAs anymore. Like things were different back in the day. Even if someone was struggling, they wouldn't get help and they wouldn't talk about it. But Trey Lance was like, no, I'll, I'll talk about it. Got no problems with that. I love that. That shows, uh, it shows a ton of maturity to me. So what part, and this actually wasn't something that we were looking to dive into, but what part of all of it do you think he's struggling with? Is it, do you think it's just the expectations of being the number three overall pick and everything that just everything that comes with that? Uh, every time I open up social media, you, you can't make this up. Every time I open up social media, I see people, talk, one, talking about the 49ers uh, quarterbacks, two, uh, whether it's mainstream media or the fans, and people are, it's, and that's why I asked about Sam Darnold. I was like, uh, you know, when you said, oh, of course, like Trey Lance is getting the most reps right now. And I'm like, right? is it of course? Because every time I look on there, I see people talking about Sam Darnold and how much Kyle Shanahan loves him and that, oh, he's going to beat out Trey Lance, right? And uh, maybe not right now. That can't be, that's not the case, but maybe down the line, it, it could very well be the case, w whatever. But there's a lot that goes into it for Trey Lance and just the situation that he's been in. And you talked about him as a prospect being a unicorn. I think it's even more of a unicorn type situation that he's in right now between the, the, the two years with Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, the broken ankle, uh, then the Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevance, last pick in the draft playing as well as he did. It's just, it's just, I feel like you couldn't, if you wrote this in a movie, people would be like, there's no way that this is a real script. And then it is, but it's the reality for Trey Lance. And clearly a lot of it is just like, damn, like, why does this happen to me? Like, why is this, why, why am I going through this? Like, I'm supposed to be this guy that has all this talent and I just play and I get to learn like everybody else. And that just is not the case. I went to a team, all of a sudden they're like, hey, you're not ready because we're trying to win a Super Bowl. And they got this guy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Everybody loves him, the whole team. And then, they, you know, they hand the team over to me pretty much. I break my ankle. Then all of a sudden there's a Mr. Relevant guy. And it's like, why me? <laughs> like, And that probably is hard to deal with. And he probably does have to talk to somebody about it. And I think the, the, the part that's the wildest to me, I talked about opening up social media and just seeing people talking about Sam Darnold, but also how they talk about Trey Lance. And this fan base is definitely very split in the way that I hear them talk about it. There are people that literally think, you're a Trey. I saw somebody use the word Trey Lusional. Like if you if you if you're rooting for Trey Lance, and then when I say rooting for him, I'm just I'm just rooting. I'm rooting for I root for all players, but I'm rooting for his situation because I just think damn, it's, it's kind of wild. But I think people would label me a Trey Lusional. <laughs> and you know how are you if you're Trey Lance and you get on social me media, and 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 see that type of thing of just hey man, I'm just a bust. You got to be mentally strong, of course, to play this game, but without even having the opportunity, that's got to be really tough. I'm sure it's difficult. And, and I also think that it's not as big of a deal. And the way he spoke about it is like, oh, you know, I'm good. I, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a genuinely positive person. You know, it's not a big deal. But uh, it, uh, to me, it's part of, and I think it's just a different generation and, and wired differently. I think it's just part of him, just like he's working out physically, he's working himself out mentally. I think, I think it might not be any more than that. Mm. But he's got a lot of reasons to be like, that, that it could, it, we've seen a number of quarterbacks, NFL players, whoever it is, uh, people in any walks of life, when they get that pr much pressure on them, and things can really start to tear you down a little bit. Saw it during the pandemic with tons of people I know. That was a that was a tough time for a lot of people. He go he rolls straight from pandemic into this situation. So so much pressure 
on the young man. And, and you could see how that could wear on you a little bit. So I, I like that he's taking care of himself both physically and mentally. Talk offensive line next and some really telling stats about Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and where PFF ranks them amongst NFL uh, wide receivers next. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to all the everydayers. We've still got more rookies to break down, deep dives on Bradley Beal, some of the undrafted free agents for the 49ers, of course, taking taking you through OTAs, training camp, and getting you ready for the regular season every single day here on Locked On 49ers. Make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube everywhere you get your podcasts, and subscribe up as well to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, myself and former NFL scout Matt Williamson covering the entire league daily on the Locked On Podcast Network. So I don't think it's a huge deal, but I think it's interesting that we talk about, uh, and look, again, I'm not, I don't want to break down too much of what happened on the field. This guy looked good. This guy didn't look good. It's a day of reports from OTAs. You and I, Croc, weren't there to see all of it, but uh, the depth chart on the offensive line is interesting. And of course, uh, the 49ers last year did a great job on the O-line. Shout out to Chris Forrester, the 49ers offensive line coach. It was one of the weaknesses going into the season where you worried, okay, what's this line going to look like? It's potential that this could be not great for the 49ers, and it could not go well. And it went pretty well considering for, for the 49ers with all the changeover and all the young players on the offensive line. Now losing Mike McGlinchey in free agency, he signs a big money deal with the Denver Broncos. And Colton McKivitz has plugged in, goes from swing tackle to starting right tackle now for the 49ers. So uh, as expected, uh, no Trent Williams practicing in the voluntary OTAs. So in place of Trent Williams at left tackle, Croc, it wasn't veteran offensive lineman Matt Pryor that was signed in free agency. It is third year, right? Third year offensive lineman Jalen Moore was lined up at left tackle in place of uh, Trent Williams. And then it was Aaron Banks. Um, it was Spencer Burford at right guard. It was Colton McKivitz at right tackle. And it was um, Jake Brendel at center, as expected. And it's looking like when you look at the second unit, so then Matt Pryor comes in. He's the backup right tackle. And you have uh, Jalen Moore, who was the third team right tackle, going from left to right side, playing a little bit of both. John Feliciano looks like he's probably this year's uh, probably this year's Daniel Brunskill, who played left guard with the second team, uh, then played right guard. Or, I'm sorry, he played um, left guard with the second team. I'm sorry, Nick Zakel played left guard with the second team, while uh, Feliciano played right guard with the second team. So that's kind of how things lined up for the 49ers with the offensive line and the depth chart there. And um, I believe next, Nick Zakel getting some center work as well so uh i don't know i i think it's really interesting how this group matches up because when you when you take a backup croc and you thrust him into the starting lineup well now who replaces the backup so i, I think there is a battle for depth behind the starters and you hope you don't have to go through a period without trent williams in the regular season but we're kind of seeing how those guys are lining up now we'll see how that changes and see who's cross training where but it's going to be a really interesting battle for uh how the depth lines up uh, on the offensive line, even though I think it's a pretty obvious, um, I, I think it's pretty obvious right now based on what everything said and how they're lining up already, what it's going to look like with the starting five on the offensive line and still up in the air, what that's going to look like with Colton McKivitz getting his first shot at right tackle. I'm typically not worried about the offensive line. I think over the years, Kyle Shanahan has figured out, I mean, 
the, the offensive line was solid when Jimmy Garoppolo stepped in with Zane Beatles at right tackle. So I typically am the last one to hit the panic button on the offensive line. But for whatever reason, this year, it feels like this might be the weakest since then. And, you know, when you look at all the weapons and how good this team could be, you need a lot of guys to take the next step. You know, we talked a lot about Spencer Burford, and he did start at right guard. But he also, he rotated a lot with Daniel Brunskill. There's no Brunskill on this team anymore. So maybe one of these veterans that have been going around can fill in and be that type of guy. But I think Brunskill did a dang good job whenever he was playing. I mean, he was, shoot, he was an all-pro against Aaron Donald every time that they played. <laughs> so, Wait. you know, you, you, you look at the offensive line right now, and there's just, I think there's too many question marks that I, I, I more than what I would typically like. And it's more than to me than just McGlinchey. It's, and I believe a lot in player development, but it is the right guard position with Spencer Burford. It is that center position with, uh, gosh, blanking on Jake his name. Brindle. Yeah, Jake Brindle. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the left guard. Can can Aaron Banks be what he was last year and, and kind of build on that, right? Like, can he take that, ne- that next step where they start smelling themselves a, a little bit? And it's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm good. Uh, so, you know, and then Trent Williams, he's a little bit older. So, I I don't want to be like this uh, dark cloud over everything, but there's a lot to like about the 49ers roster. The trenches to me on both sides of the ball are the question marks I have a little bit more. Not so much defensive line, because they, they did uh, our hard graves. I think that was huge. But definitely offensive line. I just kind of I kind of question it a little bit. And if that's a weakness to this team, then then what does the offense look like? Because in the in the I feel like the the play against the Eagles. They, the way the quarterbacks got knocked out, and I know, you know, Brock here was the tight end or whatever, but just overall, the offensive line did not play well that game. They did not. I mean, they just got destroyed, the offensive line. And if you're telling me, well, you lost guys from that, and the, the guys that replaced them aren't necessarily upgrades on paper right now, that's tough. Yeah, and, and the offensive line wasn't a problem last year, and they were fine, but you need you want them to build on fine, become good, build on good, become great. And they, on paper, they're probably worse than they were last year. We'll see what Colton McKivitz looks like. He might actually be somewhat better in some ways than has a better anchor than uh, than Mike McGlinchey did. Probably won't be as good. He's not as athletic. He's he's you know got more cement feet than Mike McGlinchey, but he's a tougher guy and he's got a better anchor. So we'll, we'll see what that looks like. It's different. Doesn't mean it's going to be 100% worse than than McGlinchey, even though McGlinchey got paid. And I think it was smart for the 49ers not to pay McGlinchey. Uh, but uh, you got to coach him up. And they got to keep improving there on the offensive line. So we'll see if that ends up looking like both with the starters and the depth for the 49ers. Wide receivers in the NFL versus man and versus zone coverage since 2019 is, is super interesting here. So uh, I want to bring this up on the screen here and share the screen. And I don't think it should be any shock crock to the listeners out there that Debo's a lot better versus zone coverage than he is versus man. And Brandon Ayuk's better at man coverage. Versus man coverage than Debo Samuels. Right. And, you know, it's interesting with Debo Samuel because I think he has the ability to win just as much against man coverage as anybody else. But he's made it almost a focal point for that to not be a part of his game. And I always thought that was a little weird because you watch him coming out. You know, Debo Samuel was this really uh, quick, light on his feet, shifty receiver. And... When I was evaluating him coming out and I had him as kind of 2A, 2B with A.J. Brown, it was as a pure receiver. Like all the things that I like to see receivers do, 
Like Debo did all those things at a high level. And I feel like each year that passes, he kind of moves further and further away from it and has turned into more of a guy that's just like, uh, I'm going to win a little bit with positioning and then I'm just going to outrun people because I'm this freak athlete. And he's relied on that a lot. But when in terms of like the separation where he's not great in the separation department, I think if he truly focused in on it for an offseason, he and he adds that to his game, we'd see an even better version of Debo Samuel, which is very scary because obviously you see this, him being a, a top a top 10 receiver already. Just imagine if he added that to his game. But you know, mm-hmm. that, I don't think that's been the focal point of his training. I totally agree there. I, I absolutely agree. And we talked about Debo not being there. Hopefully he's doing some you know, conditioning. Like I want to see Debo at that svelte draft weight or closer to the draft weight than than uh than maybe a little bit thick like because he doesn't need more tackle breaking power in his game he needs as much quicks and speed in my opinion in in my opinion as possible he he needs to understand how you know change of pace uh being able to get guys going upfield more again the things that he did early if you watch rookie year Debo Samuel and now he's winning of course you're gonna see a lot of slants but man I mean, there was everything else, attacking blind spots, getting DBs to turn around. I remember in the Super Bowl, him uh, working out of the slot against, uh, I want to say maybe it was Mitchell from the Kansas City Chiefs, and just the way he jabbed inside, uh, pushed up outside, acted like he's going upfield, came back underneath, and it was a big third down, then carried guys for like five yards. And it's like, you don't see that from Debo anymore. And I see in the chat right now, my guy Ian Sharp says, Debo, the wide back. And he has truly embraced the wide back position but man, I feel like almost to a fall. Because even in college, in college, essentially, he was wide back there. They were putting him in motion, handing the ball off to him. He was running. He did all those things as well as be that pure receiver. So uh, I would like to see him work on the top of his routes, work on getting in out of his breaks there, working back to the ball, like catch the ball away from your bike, like all the things that you've seen other receivers do. And I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he is doing these things. But when you watch him play, it doesn't feel like it. And then when you hear him say, and I'll never forget this, and maybe I'm looking too much into it, but he said, hey, I, don't, I don't watch these other guys. I don't watch Cooper Cup, Devontae Allen. They're not like me, and they don't do the things that I do, so I don't watch them. I'm like, man, you can always take something from somebody's game, and he could just be that much better. So top 10 receiver, and I feel like he's putting a cap on himself. I, I totally agree, and I think the separation numbers show that here, and I, I don't know if you guys can see it if you're on YouTube here, um, but – down here in the bottom left is Debo Samuel. He's above average in yards per route run, which is about 1.6, 1.7 or so. Uh, but he's below average in just raw separation data. And then you look at Brandon Ayuk, who's over here on uh, the positive side of raw separation data. And I, I think it just goes to show you that's what we see, and, and that's what um, that's what really you know, their, their strengths are, they're very different and they, um, and they are complementary pieces, which I like, uh, but I, th- I think I would like to see both of them get better against, uh, against man coverage and, and yards per route run against man coverage. And, and they're successful against man coverage, but I think both of them could actually improve in their raw separation data. But, uh, and you look at the top right of this, where the best receivers are in the NFL, you got Tyreek Hill, who's the, you know, uh, let's see. Yeah. Tyreek Hill, surprisingly Mike Evans and he's not known for his quicks but he is his separation data is among the best in the league Jerry Judy as well is up there top three in in separation data uh versus man coverage and then you know Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown and Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup and you know the usual suspects there Stephon Diggs is up there and, and Amari Cooper so those are some of the best receivers in the NFL 
versus man coverage, whether you're talking about yards per route run or just the raw PFF separation grade. And a lot of these guys, the crazy thing is you don't have to be a blazer. Right? Yeah, you see Tyreek Hill. He's kind of a unicorn up there. But Mike Evans, Jerry Judy ran mid four fours. Uh, Mario Cooper ran fast, but Cooper Cup, he was a four six guy. Devontae Adams, he was closer to a four six than a four five flat. Uh, Michael Thomas at the combine, he didn't run very fast like that. AJ Brown, he was hovering around four five. So th- these guys that are like up there at one of the top in the separation department, they just understand how to like use leverage uh, of the defensive back to free themselves up to create that type of separation. They do a terrific job of that. And, and, and that's why I would like, love to see the 49ers do a little bit more of uh, from their receivers. But maybe it's maybe it's the offense. Maybe, you know, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they would, if, if I'm sitting down cho- cho- chopping it up with them, maybe they would say, well, Croc, the way Kyle wants us to run our routes, we don't have as much freedom as some of these guys that are in more of a straight drop back type of, uh, of, of uh, offense. And I think the data does show that as well because both receivers climb versus zone coverage. And in fact, Debo Samuel's top four in the NFL in yards per route run versus zone coverage. He's up here in the top uh, left quadrant now, kind of by himself and just behind only Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, and A.J. Brown, who, by the way, are great against zone and man coverage. And that's why I want to see Debo up there with those guys against man coverage as well because now you're talking about a different echelon of wide receiver. And, And that's even taking the wide back stuff out of it. But uh, yards per route run against zone coverage, Debo Samuel, top five in the NFL. And Brandon Ayuk is up there uh, as well amongst the top and in, in over two yards per route run. As far as separation grade, again, Brandon Ayuk is the o- above average separation and Debo Samuel below average separator versus both zone and man coverage. And I think part of that also is maybe a little bit more attention put his way too. So, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into this data and any data set you look at, you can kind of twist it and, and make it tell a story. But I think this zone versus man really does tell a story. Yeah, it does. It tells a story that, uh, I don't know. It could be, again, it could be Kyle. And we've talked about the 49ers drop back passing offense. And that kind of lacks a little bit. Uh, a lot of these other teams spread it out a little bit more and they just do certain things to where it's just a little bit easier to attack guys. I mean, you know, our quarterbacks, for whatever reason, and it might be Kyle Shanahan and the way that he calls plays, but they don't really attack cornerbacks on the outside. So I think there's a lot of growth in this offense. And maybe Kyle would say, well, if I just could count on having the same quarterback year to year, then I wouldn't have that issue. I can build in some of these things, but every year I'm starting over from scratch from square one with a new quarterback. And maybe that makes it a little bit more difficult. And and we've talked and I I don't really have a good term for it, but I always call Brandon. Ayuk the most wide receivery receiver that the 49ers have, but there hasn't been something the 49ers have tried to like Ayuk, And then a half a season of Emmanuel Sanders. Like, the, like, you know, as far as I, and again, I don't have a good term for it as far as wide receivery receivers that the 49ers have had, like Kyle doesn't try to target a certain type of receiver. His quarterbacks haven't been the types to take advantage of certain types of, of drop back passing and Kyle Shanahan, the way he calls plays. So which is it? Was it all of it? Does he not want it? Does he not want to have a better quote unquote, better drop back passing game? Cause I think there's a lot there and you look at the best teams in the NFL, all the teams that have won the Super Bowls in the last half decade, especially uh, it's not about running the ball in defense. These are the best passing games in the NFL for the most part. Right. And my guy, Terry Dome in the chat, uh, good good uh, quote here. It's more important to get in and out of your breaks at 4-6 than it is to run a 4-3 straight. 
And I think maybe in some ways the wide back thing changed the way last year that the 49ers looked at their offense, where now with Christian McCaffrey, they, maybe they can get back to, you know, Debo Samuel being like, well, wait, I'm a, I am a wide receiver first. And uh, the wide back thing sometimes, and, and we can have fun with that, but I need to be the best wide receiver I can. I need to be the best I can at the top of my routes. And uh, I hope that it has been the focus for Debo Samuel this offseason, because I think there's still a lot more there, whether it's the development of Trey Lance or it's year two healthy Brock Purdy in that drop back passing game. I'm, I'm still looking for more there from Kyle Shanahan's drop back passing offense. Yeah, especially with terrific players, man. Debo Samuel is a special receiver, uh, especially somebody on Twitter said that he was like the most overrated receiver in the NFL because and he kept saying the way he was wording it. I'm like, dude, you're kind of downplaying the year he had. He's like, oh, he's at one year with over uh, a thousand yards of of all purpose yards. Okay, you say a thousand yards, but he had like eighteen hundred yards. Yeah. So you can't say, oh, well, he's only had one year of a thousand. And I get what you're saying, but it's like, but he had fourteen hundred receiving yards, and then another three plus, almost four hundred yards rushing, and fourteen. Like it was a great year. His biggest issue is health, and again, he can be even better more consistently by working on other aspects of his game and be like more of a true elite receiver. Cause right now it's just like, well, super talented defenses. I, I'm pretty sure they're scared of him anytime he touches the ball. And I'm like, man, I think there's even more. I think there's more in Debo. All right. Uh, more to come every single day right here on locked on 49ers. Thanks so much everybody for jumping in on the live chat. Thanks everybody for making us your first listen Every day, Croc and I am back Monday right here, Lockdown 49ers.